We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to episode 338 of the Barcelona Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Dan Hilton, and it took more than four goals against Atletico Madrid, and four goals against Valencia, four goals against Napoli, four goals against Athletic Club, four goals against Osasuna. But finally, after a four spot against Real Madrid in El Clasico, he's back again with those two magic words. Hey, Francis. Hola, Cules. Um, really missed you. Really um, enjoy coming to the pod, as you, as you all know. If you heard me before... I'm back for a show or two. Whenever that needs me, I'll, I'll be here. If you've never heard me before, um, please don't switch off right now. I may know what I'm talking about sometimes. Not all the time, but stay tuned. Well, somebody that you are quite familiar with, somebody that you've seen in person quite a few times, is Xavi Hernandez. And I think this is where we start. And Frances, I, I want to thank you for joining me on this. What is going to be a victory lap? When it comes to Xavi, when it comes to Eric Garcia, and when it comes to Ferran Torres in particular, that holy trio of, you know, my victory lap, if you will, where there were definitely those who doubted Xavi, and those doubts are all but erased. There were those who doubted Eric Garcia, and I think he quieted a lot of people yesterday. And Ferran Torres has his, but he's got 11 goals in 13 matches, so you can let leave, leave him alone for a little bit. But I want to start with Xavi, because El Clasico, I think, was... I, the big narrative, obviously, is that the title change isn't going to change. This was not a big European night that won a trophy, but for Barcelona to go to the Santiago Bernabeu and decimate Real Madrid, I mean, decimate them from the from the pass that Eric Garcia delivered to Pedri that broke through that midfield line a minute and 42 seconds into that match, then the match was already over, which is crazy. Like It took the goal, surely. Obviously, the goal changes that changed everything, and Real Madrid could have got the first goal. But from the opening whistle, Barcelona were all over Real Madrid, and I think that has a lot to do with the fact that Xavi built his team and set them up to succeed in a way that Carlo Ancelotti did not. From the opening whistle, Xavi got it right. Yep, yep, 100%. Um, let me start by saying that I did not come on the podcast because we're winning, and I did not come on the podcast <laughs> because we thought that we were going to beat Madrid 4-0 at the Bernabeu, okay? That was always planned. It's been planned for three or four weeks, and uh, that's certainly not the reason. Now, back to Xavi. As you know, I live in Doha. I'm here in Qatar over the last three, four years. He's always tried to do the same thing. You know, I've, I've been watching Al-Sad several times and I was certainly there in the last match that Xavi had here in Doha before he, he went back to Barcelona. And he's always played to win. You know, I think Xavi and, and what the match at the Bernabeu was a celebration of is the fact that Barca's idea is triumphant. You know, Barca cannot win in any other way. Barca has to play an attacking um, sort of football. Barca have to have a 4-3-3 formation. There could be variations of that, but ultimately it's a team that plays to attack. It's a team that likes to have the ball. Guardiola used to call about the triangles in the middle. Xavi likes to talk about the cuadrados, the little squares in the middle, but ultimately it's variations of the same idea. He's being protagonist with the ball, um, having players that they're not necessarily strong or speedy, but they're certainly incredibly skilled on the ball. And also in terms of understanding the formation, understanding the space, running into it, creating it, association. And, you know, let's face it, uh, the first half of the season with Kuman was diabolical, but also he enabled some players to grow. For example, Pedri, 
for example, Araujo, um, Gabi, for example, as well. So all of those players have had the bad year and a half, if you will, but they have been uh, playing regularly. They have been trusted. And then when Xavi came in, the signings of Obama Young, Ferran, Adama have really helped him. The fact in which he got Dembele back has also helped him. And I think that the match at the Bernabeu, as much as we can analyze it as a one-off, I think it's it's uh, it's one in a group of matches in which obviously we have got better and better every time. And the combination of the fact that, as Piquet said after the game, we are back. Are we going to go on to win Champions League next year? Not sure just yet, but it deems, it really feels pretty damn good to see where we have got in such a short amount of time with the tools that we were given, thanks to the guidance of Xavi and also the great signings that were made over, over the winter window. What I can't believe, I think, for Xavi is just how quickly this all transpired. It's been 135 days, I think, or something like that since Xavi took over. And yeah. with that initial match against Espanyol, where clearly the personnel wasn't right, the team wasn't right just yet. But just the signings, as you mentioned, of the January signings of Obama Yang, who stretches up top, does his job, and Ferran Torres out on the left. We'll talk about him again later, too. And Dembele, having the best version of Dembele that we've ever seen. I've gone over that many, many times. To me, with Xavi, the thing that I cannot believe he changed and the thing that I think I thought was going to be the most difficult thing for him to change, it's one thing to tell your team to be wide. It's one thing to say, hey, this is where the wingers set up. We want our, you know, bringing in Danny Alves means that, and Jordi Alba being as good as he's been since Xavi took over, we can invert our fullbacks to overload the middle of the field. Hey, Pedri and De Jong and Busquets. I mean, the fact that he figured out the puzzle that was Busquets and De Jong together is incredible as well. But the thing that has most impressed me is the fact that Xavi has unequivocally changed the mentality of this team. Like You could yeah. say one thing about his friends, Busquets and Alba and, and PK playing under him. But this team is now fully capable. They have broken through. I mean, there was between Ernesto Valverde and Kike Setien and Ronald Koeman. I, you know, regardless of their styles, regardless of the players they had at their disposal, that was a team, an entire unit that didn't necessarily not even know how to play together or for each other. But there was this block. They would stop whenever the match got too big, whenever the pressure was too much. And for Barcelona to, again, feel like a little bit like the underdogs going to the Santiago Bernabeu down in the league table and to take this quote-unquote big match where if you lose yesterday to Real Madrid, six matches lost is the most that this team would have lost since the 1960s. It would have been this thing that they're going to hear forever. I was a part of this losing side for Barcelona that, that couldn't stop losing and couldn't stop leaking goals to Real Madrid in El Clasico's. And instead of losing that six match, this team winds up putting up a 6-2, a 5-0, right? This 4-0 fits in that, that triumvirate where Barcelona have only scored four goals or more against Real Madrid nine times, this being the ninth of those times. And so for this team to be able to break through and quote-unquote win the big match, because this is one of those big matches, it gives me hope for next season. It says that, hey, even if you're in a group with... I don't want to say Bayern Munich again, you know, but let's say you're against Juventus, you're in the same Champions League group with Juventus next year, right? Then you go on the road in Italy and that's a quote unquote big match to win your group. I'm unafraid now with Xavi at the helm. I'm unafraid that this team is not going to be up to that challenge because they, again, they went to the Santiago Bernabeu and they took care of Real Madrid, completely blasted them off the field in front of their home crowd. And so if they can win high pressure matches, that's what tells me is the difference between a team that is going to be good and quote unquote back, right? Finding their way and a team that can actually win trophies. Yeah, um, totally agree. Totally agree. Listening to what Xavi and Danny Alves and Obama Young had to say after the game, I don't know how much of this has transpired into the um, worldwide media, but the world that the world that kept coming back was mentality. And it's something that you've already hit on. This team is being built from quality, is being built from formation, is being built for, uh, you know, passing, controlling, etc. But the key of it and the key difference between the Kuman times and now is the mentality, the belief and the resilience. When you hear Danny Alves speak, I mean, the guy is 38 years old. You can argue he doesn't add that much on the pitch. It's very arguable that. But he certainly doesn't add as much as he added before. He's not the fittest. He's not the fastest. But the guy is so happy. <laughs> you know, he brings so much happiness to the dressing room. He understands what Barca is. Uh, when he was talking yesterday after the game, he was talking about the history and the representation and, and the feeling of being a culé. You know, what it means to be, 
a Barcelona fan, especially when you're not winning. Aubameyang, even though he's basically just arrived not that many matches ago, he certainly understands that. I think the fact that he's got a family back in Spain really helps him. And the guy has hit the ground running. And going back to what family, uh, the, the, the concept of family, that is something that Xavi with his brother, who is the assistant coach, and all the rest of the coaching staff that, by the way, they were here at Al-Sat. It was the same coaching staff that joined Barca. So they worked together for so many years and they understand each other's uh, roles, etc. They are creating this sense of family, of belonging, of um, being part of something very special. And what we saw at the Bernabeu is a combination of that. Having said that, in, in, <laughs> and we've been doing this podcast for so many years, we cannot be at the top and at the bottom the next day. You know, Let, let's just put this into, into perspective. We've won one classic out of the last six. That's not a lot. Um, we arguably, the match didn't quite matter from a numerical point of view, because, you know, it is incredibly unlikely that we're going to win La Liga anyway. And Real Madrid, even losing yesterday, I'm pretty much going to walk away with the, with the title. Okay, The flip of that is that it will always be the league uh, that Madrid wins when Barca beat them 4-0 at home. But anyway, from a numerical perspective, it doesn't matter that much. So Real Madrid will come to the chickens. Um, they reserve, Ancelotti clearly reserved Benzema so he can be fit for the upcoming Champions League matches. Barca haven't really won that many matches against greater position. You can argue a couple of them in the Europa League, but there's nothing major there just yet. So as much as we, and, and you know, <laughs> this is the me coming back in the podcast, as much as we can be happy about the fact that this game was amazing, not every match we've had has been. And I don't think there's been a continued amount of time that is, remarkable for us to think that yeah we're certainly back i mean we are on this for the long the long term i remember one of the last episodes that we recorded together probably a year and a half ago now we're talking about how pedri should be part of the starting 11 uh, he was being you know compared to ricky Puch, and there was a lot of people that oh ricky's not playing why is this guy pedri playing and we kept saying it's all about the idea it's all about the understanding and this guy has it so Xavi is just putting the pieces in the right place. The, the, these pieces, these players have had enough time to grow. And they've experienced the bad times and been under, a, let's just say, not very inspiring coach. But then with the step-by-step follow-up that every member of the coaching staff of, is doing of every player, this sense of belonging, this success that we are slowly but surely achieving, that's certainly going to take us somewhere. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's PK and Puyol or PK and Mascherano. Or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. (coughs) Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough, and as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up 
and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention, those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy and all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content, everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. You know, I actually do want to push back a little bit. I think a 13-game unbeaten streak in the league is enough of a sample size for me to say that the system that has been put in place is something that is sustainable. Because that was always a question where whenever under Kuman or, I mean, Kike Satya and I, I can't remember one, but and then under Valverde, whenever there was that big match, that, that really dominant performance in Barcelona, you do ask, you know, what was it an individual player that just went off? Was it, well, especially for everybody else, was it Messi that, that completely popped off and went crazy, right? Is, yeah. And we obviously knew that Messi in the long term, obviously not expecting him to leave this for this season, but in the long term, obviously Messi at his age wasn't going to be a sustainable thing. Like eventually that was going to, to happen. But I, I want to next kind of transition into speaking about the players that stood out for you, because I, I think that is part of my argument as to why this is so sustainable, because there are pros and cons to individual players. And as you mentioned, too, the the arc of progress is swinging, especially to the youth for Barcelona. But the players that have been good have also been young. The players that have been good have also been older. But if you can replace certain players going to next season, right, like if not if, but when Dembele signs for someone else. Barcelona's like-for-like like replacement is going to be so, so essential. They have to make sure they get 90% of what Dembele is currently doing. And even with, let's say, Aubameyang might not be the long-term answer, if you will, or something, right? And then the idea of replacing Busquets eventually, I mean, the next two to three seasons, right? How, how much longer does he have left to go? And then even Christensen, you can look at Christensen and say, okay, that's one of our plans potentially to say, okay, Araujo and Eric Garcia and Christensen, the three of you need to work on phasing out PK over the next year. And then uh, is Frank Kessie the answer, not to be a like-for-like replacement, but to add enough depth in that midfield where you have enough midfielders doing a job where Busquets can be phased out in the next year or two. And so those are the questions, those are the signings. And going into next season, now there's immediate alarm bells on if Dembele leaves, you've got to make sure because you need some kind of upgrade over Adama Traore on the right wing. He cannot be relied on to do the entire Dembele job. So yeah, I, I agree with those, I guess, the negative points of what may not be sustainable. But as far as the way this team is playing, 13 games plus the Europa League, especially if they win the Europa League title, to me, that is all sustainable to take in the next year. And we would have seen the worst of it because this system is one that works with the players that are on the field. And I, again, I hope and I pray, but you add Ansu Fati back to this mix. And I've got no worries that this team can't can't win trophies. If they're going to play this style this way and they add Ansu Fati to the mix, it's, it's a wrap because you've got that guy that's clinical. You've got the guy that's going to put the ball in the back of the net. So speaking more about yeah. the Real Madrid one, Francesco, which players stood out to you in particular from yesterday's game? Because okay, I, I found so a hard that, time finding like a man of the match because everyone did their jobs to such effect that Barcelona destroyed Madrid. Yeah. So I can tell you what the Catalan radio said. And this is not just Catalonia Radio, but also RACU and well, I've been reading Mundo Deportivo and Sport. So they seem to think that um, Obermayang and Eric Garcia were the two standout players. Obviously, Obermayang speaks for himself. Um, he's scored, I think, he's eight goals in eight matches. And um, he's doing fantastically well, not just finding the spaces. And, you know, people say finding the space. Of course, he finds the space, but everyone else does. It's just whether he gets assisted into the space that he's looking for, you mm -hmm. know, because people like Dembele, Adama, even Ferran, they don't cross the ball into the box if they don't think that the guy there is going to get it. You know, so those, those spaces are, are, have always been there. 
and other players may have exploited them. But the fact that they are finding Aubameyang is meaning that there are more and more crosses and, and not just from the side, but obviously through the middle as well, um, connections with him. So he's attracting that and he's clearly making a remarkable difference. Um, I think that Eric Garcia has had a lot of acclamation from all different Catalan and Spanish and beyond channels. And uh, obviously he's fast, fantastic on the ball. I think that he's an upgrade on Araujo and that's the reason why Guardiola used to trust him at Manchester City and why Xavi is trusting him now at Barca. I've been hearing Xavi all season and this is what I see on the pitch as well about the fact that both Piqué and Eric Garcia are by far the best defenders at doing what I'm going to say now, which is breaking through that first line of pressure. So when Eric has the ball, normally uh, the striker or maybe the winger from the other team, they go to press him. And the key difference between Araujo and Eric Garcia is that Eric conducts the ball forward until he attracts one of those players. And then when he passes the ball, which is normally to the side, but more and more often lately, Piquet does it very often, but Eric is doing it more as well. They cross the ball across the pitch towards the other side. And when you have beaten the player that is coming to you, and then with the pass, you beat another one, then you're creating an advantage, which normally is in what Xavi is calling the, um, the cuadrados, the, the squares in the middle, but it can also free up space from the side. So I think that's the main reason why Eric has been um, starting games lately. But also what we saw against Madrid is that he was a lot stronger defensively. I don't think he's the strongest or the fastest, but he's certainly strong and fast enough to stop Real Madrid yesterday. I mean, if, if Karim Benzema had been playing, we would probably be talking about a different story. But um, against the Real Madrid that he was faced yesterday, he was certainly a great player. Well, but was, for me... Yeah, let me, let me respond to Eric Garcia and then yeah. we'll get your answer. So... I was kind of, again, hedging my bet on Eric Garcia because I didn't want to, not to say come off on too biased, but I, I wanted to make sure that, A, I want him to be good more, I think, than other yeah. people did because I, I stood in his corner from the beginning. And so, I, you know, I don't want to push that, but I think Eric Garcia is the right answer, actually, for, for the man of the match, uh, if, if, if that is what Catalan Radio was saying. His stats yesterday, 11 balls recovered. He was never dribbled past, as you mentioned. He was also the only play, Barca player perfect on the long balls, and he was the key yesterday to how Barcelona succeeded. And I had said before, again, I'll pat myself on the back on this one, that I said without Queen Benzema, Eric Garcia was going to start at left center back. And if Queen Benzema did start, I thought I thought Araujo would start at left center back. Or sorry, PK would start at left center back. Araujo would be a right center back and Danny Alves would start yeah. on the wing. And then it would be Araujo with the help for Vinicius Jr. to Alves out to the wing, and then PK would have to deal with Benzema. But without Benzema, Eric Garcia starts, and as you mentioned, not only did he dribble into that space, but it was the long passes and decisions he made, and this is, right, the difference between Eric Garcia and Pedri, and I, I went on this whole Pedri thing in the last show of last week, previewing this match. Those guys make the right decisions more often yeah. than not. And those right decisions where Eric Garcia yesterday, you could see it was on full display. Yes, he would switch the ball to Dembele, sure. He would also reset to Ter Stegen, he would reset to and uh, re recycle the ball to Jordi Alba. But his line breaking passes and understanding of who was the third man in that midfield was impeccable. And that is why Barcelona consistently found space off the foot of Eric Garcia delivering that first pass. It was Pedri who would attack whenever it was Modric who, who dropped in to defend whenever he was caught out and not being that false nine or whatever <laughs> whatever position you want to call Ancelotti putting him in. But it would be Pedri, whenever he saw that it was Modric on him, would come into that space and Eric Garcia would look for Pedri. Then Ancelotti seemed to get wise to that, switched Fede Valverde onto Pedri. So then who became the free man? Well, it became Frankie de Jong. And Frankie de Jong would pop up as the free man, as the third man runner when Busquets would come in, Casemiro or whoever, or Tony Cruz would try to step to Busquets while Fede Valverde was trying to man mark Pedri, and that meant that De Jong was the free man. And it seemed like Eric Garcia, every single time, said, okay, Jordi Alba's the right pass. Okay, Pedri has Modric. There's that run. Let me find it at the right time. And then now the free man is De Jong. So that's going to be a line-breaking pass through the midfield to De Jong. Okay, actually, the midfield has been brought in because the fullbacks are a little tighter. That means that my, when my winger in Dembele is ready for that switch. 
and he just went through the progressions like a, an NFL quarterback, right? Just, you know, yeah. line one, line two, line two, line three, line four. And so for me, like, it's hard when a team wins 4 nothing to say the man of the match was a center back. But, I mean, this was a marquee Eric Garcia performance, an absolutely marquee performance from him. But if you have another argument to another man of the match, I am all ears because I'm ready to change my mind for a test. Yeah, no, no. I don't think you will change your mind. I think that um, the two that we've mentioned, and certainly Eric, um, they're clearly the better ones. But I just want to give a shout-out to um, Araujo as well. He was going to be the next I was going to bring up. Funny you say that, yeah. Yeah, there you go. So he, to me, He's arguably playing out of position. I mean, right back and center right back, uh, center back on the right. It's not that different. But I think that the fact that he was able to pretty much make Vinicius Jr. just non-existent throughout the whole match, that that was remarkable. Um, I think that um, as much as we love Dani Alves, if Dani Alves starts that match against Vinicius, he would have been not necessarily eaten alive, but he would have had a lot more difficulties than Ronald had. I think that his stamina, his understanding of the game is is to be commanded. And I just wanted to give him a shout out because, you know, I know that I think it was Yuste um, earlier last week said that, and, and Laporta mentioned it as well, that um, Gabi and Araujo, without mentioning them, they have to understand where they are and they have to basically adapt to the bar's um, structure in terms of salaries. I'm talking about when they renew the contract. Yes, I agree, but renewing Araujo is an absolute priority. You cannot get anywhere near the quality that he has, and obviously the because he's already here, the understanding of the Vasa system and, and the feeling of um, that he portrays in every match, you cannot find that on the market anywhere. So I think that renewing Araujo, um, I, I'm sure they will go to an economic agreement, but the guy is golden, and I think his potential is very, very high for years to come. What I loved about him yesterday was that he did the job he was asked to do to perfection. That's why there's not much more that Juan Araujo could have given you yesterday to arguably be the man of the match. Yeah, he scored the goal, but yeah, the defense on on Vinicius Jr. completely shut Madrid down. Though I could argue for that case that Madrid, by not having Kareem Benzema, by not having any kind of runner, they had no late runners into the box. They had no, well, I guess they had no guy profiling as the main focus of the attack either. They just had, they had nobody there. And so even if Vinicius Jr. found some space, which he did occasionally, there was nothing he could do with the ball anyway. Because yeah. on the opposite side, Carvajal and Rodrigo, as we kind of switched to that flank, were just disastrous. And then, like when looking yes. at the when looking at the heat map, I didn't realize just how dangerous Jordi Alba had been. Like I knew Jordi Alba was part of the system and played really well. I didn't realize how much on the ball he was. He actually, I yeah. think, in the first half was on the ball more than any other Barca player as far as as time on the ball, touches. I don't think it was total passes, but anyway, the amount of impact that he had in the first half on, was was unconscionable. And yeah, and, and back to Araujo, like he was asked to defend, defend, defend. Yeah, I mean, the header again, he's not asked to do that, but he scored a header goal, really good finish. But behind Dembele, he was basically asked to get the ball to Dembele or when Vinicius Jr. would go back to try to help on Dembele, move and dribble into that space yourself. And yeah. as far as breaking through lines with his passing, we know he doesn't do that well, but he's much better, that being Araujo, at dribbling into space. And I thought he did a great job of dribbling on that sideline and taking that space when it was given to him. Yeah, and you can also flip that because if Araujo is defending the way that he is, then Vinicius Jr. just needs one player. But if you yeah. had been a, li a little bit softer or if you had been Alves on a bad day, then you need Alves to push and try and defend, but then you need Eric Garcia behind to do the cover, the cobertura. And then you've got two players out of position. If you recover the ball... That is two players that cannot work on the build-up and that slows the, uh, the defensive into attacking transitions down. So having Araujo help on the de defensive perspective without a shadow of a doubt, but also on the attacking, talking about the build-up in our, in our own third. Yeah, and now I want to switch to the opposite side of the field too with Obama Yang, Ferran Torres, and Dembele. And that front three showed you, and not, not say about Dembele, I don't want to take him out of this. Of course, he gets the two assists. He was really important in the match. But Dembele kind of know we know exactly what we're getting from him. He is a known commodity. And to a point, Aubameyang kind of is as well. The goal that the first goal he scored was exactly like the one against Osasuna. So against Osasuna, in the match review, I just lambasted Osasuna's back line. I said, it cannot happen. You cannot let Dembele get to the touchline the way he did, as easy as he did. And then the Osasuna center back, I don't remember who it was, allowed 
allowed Aubameyang to get inside positioning where he was still in front of the near post and just had that goal in easy, right? And against Real Madrid, Nacho, I guess he must have watched the Osasuna tape and then thrown it out and forgot about it because he allowed Dembele to get right around him, which might happen anyway, a few times a game. And it did. It's going to happen a few times. Dembele is just lightning. It's going to happen no matter what. But behind him, if you do not have some other center back who's on that near post, you're in trouble because Dembele, especially if he gets to the goal line, is going to cross that one and it's going to be really dangerous. And for Aubameyang, for the, again, the second time in a row, it wasn't also soon the center back. It was Edin Militao, who was supposed to be and has been a really good defender. David Alaba and Militao have been good this year. But from that opening tackle, do you remember it was like, I don't remember who he tackled. It was a minute or two into the game. Or no, 14 seconds. That's what it was. It was 14 yeah. seconds into the game. Militao fouled, well, was it Pedri or Busquets? It was somebody. And everyone's mm. calling for a yellow card immediately because it was probably a yellow if it was five minutes into the game instead of 14 seconds. And from that moment, it looked like Militao had lost the plot, right? It looked like he was not going to have his day. And he didn't. Getting outjumped by Araujo, getting burnt by Aubameyang for on the near post. And then I think he had a lot of trouble in particular with the movement between Aubameyang and Ferran Torres, where Ferran Torres... Because Carvajal was just, again, he was the worst player on the field though today. Danny Carvajal was, <laughs> he just didn't show up, which is great for Barcelona. Agreed. So Ferran Torres kept getting around him. I said Jordi Alba was on the ball constantly. And then Ferran Torres would, would cut in sometimes. And having Pedri as that left interior, he's just, again, so smart and so dangerous coming into the space. So Danny Carvajal was just stuck with these different uh, options and ideas and say, oh, should I be trying to peel off on Alba, who's making the overlapping run? Should I try to stay with Ferran Torres, who's not going to beat me with the ball, but he's going to get in behind me with his legs? Or do I have to be concerned with my back left? Because here comes Aubameyang barreling into that free space as the third man runner up the field. Or I've got Pedri with the ball coming at me. And am I going to step to him? Because Tony Cruz is over there taking a water break. And, and Casemiro is just looking for somebody in the stands <laughs> to punch in a Barca jersey, right? And so I think Danny Carvajal was just put into a lot of bad positions and that has a lot to do with the movement of Ferran Torres he was everywhere he needed to be yesterday just yeah I thought he was really 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 good and he's not yeah. going to get credit because of his movement for not scoring goals or whatever he's not doing or people aren't seeing he's not going to get is credit he not? but is he not because I mean and this is the this is the danger with the modern era of people who pretend to watch football but they don't really watch it mm. you know if you watch the YouTube highlights if um, there's an eight minute highlight reel and Ferran Torres has missed two goals and hasn't scored one, then Ferran Torres is a failure. I mean... Yeah, I mean, his miss, his miss at the, be at the beginning of the second half was a disaster. That yeah. 1v1. But, but yeah, you said it. Like, this team could have won 7 or 8. I kept seeing this. That people saying this team could have won 7 or 8 nil. I don't care. They won 4 nothing against the San Diego Bernabeu. Just take it in. Exactly. Just, just relax. Exactly, exactly. And with, with Ferran, I'm not just talking about this particular match. I mean, in this particular match, pretty much every every player excelled and they carried each other through and they, they made each other better. But Ferran gives you a lot. And he's been giving you a lot from the very beginning. I mean, granted, when he started playing, and Xavi has done this, he's, he's played in pretty much for 90 minutes in every single match throughout the whole of his tenure since he got caught up at Barca. Um, maybe one or two matches he hasn't, but ultimately he's got a lot more minutes than, let's face it, you go back to Xavi's fifth or seventh game, Ferran didn't really deserve to play that much because his performance as his output on the pitch wasn't correlating to having someone like Adama or Dembele sitting on the bench at the time. I can't remember who he was, but because he stuck with him, he showed the player that I trust you. You are my signing. You are my priority. I mean, 55 million euros is a lot of money, especially in today's post-pandemic or during pandemic, depending where you are in the world um, times. And he stuck by him. He wasn't fit. He didn't understand the Barca system too well, but perseverance, constancy, and, and trust and sort of personalized feedback after every match with um, Chavez coaching staff has really enabled him to grow he had one of the matches in which he basically was misfiring totally, ended up crying at the end of the game. In Napoli. But that's all it was the, the first yeah. Napoli leg, yeah. Yeah, so that is all part of growing up. And we've talked about it. I mean, this is how long we've done the podcast for. We used to talk about Bojan. And we used to talk about players that uh, were eaten alive by the run run in the camp now that never really got over it. And with Ferran, I could hear it in one of those matches already starting. But, you know, if there's a penalty, he goes there, gets the ball, and he's the one taking it. If there's a free kick, um, he's around it to take it as well. And he's got the personality, he's got the trust, 
And let's just face it, the guy scored goals wherever he's been. Scored goals for Valencia, scored goals in England with City, scores a lot of goals with Spain, and he's going to score goals for Barca. So it was just a matter of time because, you know, players are at this level, if they get 10 chances, they may score six, five, four of them. And the rate in which he was misfiring was just not, not going to continue. I don't know who it was. Probably was Kobe Bryant or Michael Jordan, one of the two. It's just the more shots you miss, the more shots you should take because it will eventually come your way. You're the NBA expert. I'm sure you know that better than me. I mean, isn't but, that, was it Wayne Gretzky, the hockey player that said that? Something to do with the... I've never heard of the guy, but that's probably no, him. You, but you miss you miss all the shots you don't take, or something like that. I think that was. That's I think it was, the one. Yeah, I think that was Wayne Gretzky, actually, the hockey player. Well, he said that but. I got into the. <laughs> I got into the to the internet. That could be Mozart or someone. It really doesn't matter who yeah. it is. The internet tells you different people, but if he continues to persevere and take shots, and those those goals are just gonna drop because the guy has quality, understands movement, and he's got the respect of the of the coach. And by extension, all of his teammates. So good times. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. When we started this show, Ferran Torres was 17 years old. Gabi was, what was it, 12 years old at the time, right? Or 11 years <laughs> old. Yeah. So, we, I mean, watching him from his Valencia days to now, where at Valencia, when he first broke in at 17, he was a player that was going to be expected to have the ball, take the ball, be a 1v1 winger, like out wide. Mm-hmm. And the way that he has changed, I mean, he just turned 22 three weeks ago. And so... The ways that his game has even changed and adapted, I remind you that Eric Garcia is 21 and Pedri almost doesn't count anymore. Where Eric Garcia and Ferran Torres at their ages, a reminder that they can improve and they can change and they can work on their game and things can uh, they can adapt as well. And so to watch Ferran Torres adapt in a short time to Barcelona, it's another reminder. It's part of my big defense that I've been setting up, you know, for for Ferran Torres. I mean, my wife is an abogada, so she helps me with this. But for my Ferran Torres defense, <laughs> that uh, 11 goals in 30 matches is, is one thing, sure. But since he started to find space a bit better, the team has also been getting result after result after yeah. result and is on a 13 game unbeaten streak. And he has something to do with that because you mentioned and he starts and plays an important role in that attack that can't stop scoring goals, regardless of whether or not it's from his boot or not. And then the second point about Ferran Torres is that it's incredible to me, and this is something Xavi has mentioned in the past too, that not to discard certain players, but for Xavi, when he wasn't at Barcelona, I mean in comments, to say that almost defending at the time Coutinho, I remember he had a statement about Coutinho, about, about Griezmann as well, like, hey, everybody, calm down. Like, it takes time to get used to playing for Barcelona. I think it was harder when Messi was in the attack. I think it was a lot harder, honestly, when Messi was a part of that attack. That's kind of what they meant. It was hard to get get used to playing at Barca. But to play with that system, and when they say it's hard to play at Barca, they mean it's difficult to know when to find space and to make the right decisions the way that Pedri and Eric Garcia and Busquets do. It's difficult to basically make the right decisions at the same clip and amount of time that your teammates do. And so for some players, it does take a little bit longer because if other teams are slower in their buildup, if other teams are slower in their decision making, it can be difficult and that winds up hurting chemistry and makes things disjointed. And you could even argue with Frankie de Young that it's taken him two and a half years. It really took till the last, what, 10 matches in a row or 12 matches in a row. For me, Frankie de Young has only had two, we'll say subpar performances in the last 15 matches. And that tells you that this consistency that de Young has found He's understanding Busquets and Pedri and the space and his decision making is improving. And that was the whole thing about Xavi is he was able to take these good players that we know are really great players, 55 million euros for Farron, 75 million euros plus for Frankie de Young and get the best out of them in that way. Then this team, clearly the talent was always going to be there. But the final point is not to take anything away from Xavi, but not transition to Obama Yang. But the point about by Obama Yang is you basically replace Farron Jukla and in Easy Abde with Ferran Torres and Obama Yang. And just the jump in experience, the jump in talent, the jump in understanding of you know high pressure situations is night and day. So looking at yeah. Easy Abde was one of was one of the best players that Xavi had against Espanyol in his first match. And now you have Obama Yang, who again cannot what is it, seven and nine match or whatever. He's the second mm-hmm. player to score two goals and provide an assist on his day de- in his debut in the Classicos. The first to achieve that was Alfredo De Stefano in 1953, a player that was stripped mm-hmm. from taken from Barcelona. I always want to add that in here that he was ripped from Barcelona yeah, true. and really nefarious means. <laughs> there's there's actually there's actually videos on the YouTube channel about 
uh, a friend of Stefan on that whole story. So check that out. But yeah, Aubameyang, uh, not to say Aubameyang, but for, for Zhukla or Easy Abde, if Aubameyang was not brought in or if Adama Traore wasn't even brought in and those were two players that had to be put in this kind of situation, are those two players going to make history there? I'm not sure because they're younger players. They're just, they're a little more green. So now that Xavi literally has just a professional footballer, a guy who's been in big moments like this, Aubameyang is coming up huge. Yeah, for sure. That that always helps. That always helps. Um, I think that the the major reservation that we all had when Obama Young joined from Arsenal is what was his attitude going to be? You know, because um, he was a problem in in London. And Arsenal didn't let him go for free and pay him out of his contract uh, because he was doing excellently. In fact, he was not getting on with his coach um, Arteta, and he had a lot of difficulties to to get on the pitch and make any remarkable difference uh, behind the scenes. And obviously that didn't help him at all. Um, we were very lucky to get him on a free, but again, it was a risky gamble. You know, the, that wasn't always going to be a given. Um, and at the time, Dembele was obviously not renewing his contract and he was not going to play for Barca ever again. And then one of his best mates comes, the, the coach Xavi manages to change everyone's minds Um the Camno starts jeering on Dembele and, you know, not, not supporting him at all and whistling his own player in his own pitch. Fast forward two months and, I mean, me included, we were all wrong. <laughs> Dembele was going to be useful for Barca and um, his attitude, maybe because of Mayang is there, maybe because he's changed himself, but both of their attitudes are great. And I think that having the duo for the rest of the season is going to be great. And let's see what happens for next season. I mean, I do think that Dembélé still leaves us in the summer, but um, we'll have to wait and see. There is more of a chance that he chooses to stay. And certainly, Bobema Young is firing in all cylinders. That's another another joker in our pocket so that the Frenchman can stay. Yeah, I mean, I think the situation for Dembélé is getting more and more simple, if you will, where I think Chelsea was apparently the team that had the inside, as, as far as in the UK, had the inside line, and mm -hmm. where there are so many times where football meets real life, and in the case of Chelsea, it doesn't seem like Dembélé is going to Chelsea. Let's put it that way. And nope. one of the other options is PSG. And I think PSG, obviously, they're going to throw the bag at him. They're going to throw, I mean, so much money at him because especially when they lose Kylian Mbappe and his wages. So they're going to say, oh, well, you know, Messi and Neymar and Dembélé, <laughs> where we've seen or where we've seen that kind of idea before, right? Neymar and Dembélé will forever be linked for all the wrong reasons. But in the case of Dembélé going to PSG, again, the player's going to look at it. And I think his agent has always been the person who's, you know, off the office rocker and making the mistake. But Dembele personally can say, hey, I have my friend in Aubameyang. I've, you know, my life is in Catalonia. It's been in Catalonia for the last five years. And I have a, a manager that believes in me. And now all I have to do is sign the dotted line. And I'm a part of that project. They've kept me healthy now recently. I've had my first good season of health. And it's a difficult thing for him to move. I mean, yeah, it's it's Paris. It's a place that he's going to be really comfortable with, obviously, going back to France, where he's from. He speaks his French is still much better than his Spanish. But going back to France, going back, quote unquote, home, I think, yeah, there's some pull to that. But there's no guarantee that he's going to fit in that project and be his best self. And he can say, he can unequivocally say that under Xavi, I have the opportunity to be my best self. I have the opportunity to make, I mean, he'll still make some money. I mean, his recent performances give him negotiating power against Barcelona. Now, the only reason I say that I'm still leaning to him probably leaving is that I think that relationship is dead. I think that ship has sailed. And I think even if he doesn't fully trust that PSG will be a better situation, I think not, not his pride, but I think there is pride from his camp to say, you know, we did our best to negotiate with Barcelona. But also, again, I would be zero surprised if come June 28th, he renews for Barcelona. And, and yeah, well, I think Gabi and Araujo, their renewals and the timing of which Araujo is renewed is going to tell us a lot about Dembele's. Because I will tell you that if Araujo doesn't renew, there is a 0% chance that Dembele renews. Yeah, but the thing is, Gabi and Araujo's um, contract renewal, to me, is the priority. Um, they I are. Yeah, Dembele, I agree with you. Yeah. yeah, especially for the long term. And, and, you know, we are looking at the one match, which we're analyzing today, obviously, but looking beyond, um, Barca are building a team for the next 10 years. And Gabi, Pedri, hopefully Ansu Fati comes back healthy and he can be part of that as well. Araujo, Eric Garcia, they're all part of the Barca of the future. And I think that those needs to be the priority. But obviously, when you've got someone that can 
make the difference in the way that Dembélé does because of his skill and what he unbalances. And, you know, he's over the years got cleverer with the ball as well. I think that you need to, you need to try and attempt that. But, you know, I think that it is very likely he will leave, but not that short just yet. Well, as we wrap up the El Clasico, yeah, it, it popped up the score lines, the ideas of 1974 with Johan Cruyff and the 2010, obviously. Mm-hmm. Everyone was wanting La Manita, of course, that's what everybody wanted. But even the yep. 6-2, it reminds you of, of matches like that where Barcelona just went out and dominated Real Madrid. Interesting stat here, Barcelona have won their last four games at the Santiago Bernabeu, visiting a Real Madrid leader, uh, where, where Real Madrid was leading La Liga at the time. And now, now it's five. 2010, 11, 14, and 17. So every time Real Madrid's on top, Barcelona go to the Santiago Bernabeu and take care of business, with the exception of with other, those other four matches, this is the one where they really took care of business against them other than 2010. So I think we've pretty much gone through everybody. I think I want to double back and make sure I, I did say that Pedri was an absolute marvel yesterday, right? I, I can't... I, Pedri was I, I think I explained that with De Jong and Busquets and Pedri. I don't think we did enough on the midfield, but... I kind of had said in the preview that if Barca's midfield were better than Real Madrid's and if Pedri was the best midfielder on the pitch, I, that was the big question, right? That Fede Valverde yeah. had beaten, had be, I think it was like, what, 2020 maybe or 2019? Fede Valverde was the one who was, you know, the catalyst. He was the main figure mm-hmm. in, I think, one of his first or first or second Classicos. And then yep. Vinicius Jr. had his day. And then obviously the last two, Luka Modric was the reason why Barcelona fell to the sword. And Ancelotti did his work to take Modric out of the game. So thank you for that, Carlo Ancelotti. But Pedri was the best midfielder on the field and Barcelona were dominant in the middle of the park. Yeah, with with Pedri, it's not just, I'm not just talking about yesterday. Yesterday was another masterclass, but the guy, he feels like he's 35 years old. You know, he plays like a veteran and he's just a kid. You know, he's, he's great on the ball. I know that, you know, comparing... Pedri to Iniesta is, people think, is sacrilege. But the thing is, Pedri is playing a lot more minutes and a lot more effectively than Andres ever did. Andres didn't really start playing matches regularly with Barca from a starting sort of perspective until he was 24, 25. Pedri is a lot younger. Pedri is a lot more influential. And the guy is just mind-blowing. And I think that... Obviously, the first half of the season, there were lots of injuries and, and Pedri was uh, a victim of that as well. But I think that while the time, during the time that he was out, he did a lot of work um, on increasing, I don't know if this is, has made the general media, but increasing his body weight. He put four kilos of pure muscle just during that time. And if you realize that he's come back a lot stronger, um, he's come back a lot fitter, a lot more confident. And he goes, as he always has done, he goes for every tackle, but he feels, to me, he feels stronger. He feels like his stature has grown. He's grown in confidence as well. And then his touch has been marvelous from the beginning. His understanding of the game is, is being hugely influential as well. And the thing is, he's now more and more respected by his teammates, by extension, by rival, rival opponent um, managers and players as well. And I think that Pedri is growing in a way that, honestly, I don't think anyone could have anticipated. You know, we were doing the podcast two, three years ago, and we were hoping that um, Frankie de Jong became the player that Pedri actually is. <laughs> so this is something that is incredible. Um, he was signed for, what, 5 million euros, plus a couple of variables as well. And this is probably the player that's going to lead. I know Ansu Fati has got all the... Um, all the expectations on his shoulders as well, but he is the, the leader. He is the player that everyone looks up to. And, you know, the way that Jordi Alba, Piquet and Busquets are carrying in the shoulders, I think ultimately will go down to Pedri's shoulders and hopefully he can share the load with others like Gabi, maybe Araujo, maybe Ansu, Ansu as well. But this guy is the leader right now. But hopefully he will get more influential as time goes by. And that, again, that's really good news. Yep. I said my piece on for the Friday show about Pedri. I'm not, I don't need to rehash it. Uh, and I'm going to keep having to rehash it because he's, Go back and listen yeah, to that. Yeah, because he's incredible. So, or, or we just wait till the ne- the second show this week. <laughs> then I'll do, the, I'll do another Pedri thing because he, yeah, he's been completely, completely remarkable. And it's beguiling age. Um, but yes, to the Inesta point, 
I think the comparisons already are very fair. But as you said, we're comparing 19-year-old Pedri with 25-year-old Iniesta, which is just, exactly. it, it breaks your brain. But you ask, you ask, really, can Pedri be Iniesta's prime? Because Iniesta, for six, seven seasons, was a top three mm-hmm. midfielder in the world. So that's what you're asking Pedri to do. And that clock might be starting already, where at age next season, we'll say age 20, you're already saying, is that a top five midfielder in the world? And that's not crazy to say because of what he's doing at age 19 this year. So, all right, for nothing, El Clasico. Frances, do you have anything else before uh, before we wrap this up? Oh, just to say congratulations on the 10,000 subscribers on your YouTube channel, Dan. Oh, you're, you're the one well driving the announcement. Yeah, you pop in. Oh, sorry. Just to drop our announcements. And <laughs> take that bit out. Um, I've got nothing else to say, Dan. Do you have anything to celebrate? Uh, I guess 10,000 subscribers. So, yeah, we'll keep it in. <laughs> what a surprise. I had no so, idea. So, yeah, we did. It took a long time. We finally got to 10,000. If you want to meet the new puppy in our family, she is a little goblin at the moment, but she helped me celebrate El Clasico yesterday, made an appearance on the video. So, yes, <laughs> thank you to 10,000. But what that means is that we're going to keep pushing forward. 10,000 doesn't mean stop. It might, it does mean, it might mean that I get to take a little break over the summertime. Who knows? But what it does tell me is that there's enough people who like to watch the video content to keep doing more of it, to keep doing the match reviews and to do some of the deeper dives that we do as well. People seem to like those. So yeah, if you're not subscribed to the YouTube channel, go over and subscribe now as we push towards 50,000 and 100,000. Because I think YouTube is a little nicer to you when you have those kind of big numbers. You know, they, they care about you a little more. But for those who listen to just oh, the podcast... we love the yeah. algorithms. Algorithms <laughs> always spoil the fun. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> so uh, there's no algorithm though for the podcast. I mean, there's a little bit of one, but really if you're listening this deep in, you're already part of our algorithm, part of our of community. Course. So thanks so much. We're on Twitter and Instagram at the Barcelona Pod at Hilton D13. For me, our close Facebook group, that's where we have a lot of fun. That's where we have the community that celebrate these matches in live time all around the world. Our Patreon is how we keep making these shows as always. And then I already mentioned the YouTube channel. Nothing more to say there. So most importantly, though, thanks for listening to the Barcelona Podcast. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon. Forza Barca. Forza. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.